0: Genuine Intelligence podcast, uh, where artificial intelligence meets real people. I'm your host, Athena Morse, and as always, we have wonderful Steve Burroughs, who is the co-founder of AERA, creating affordability by design in their sustainable homes. And our guest today is the lovely Jennifer Cooper, who is the co-founder of Dave Cooper Live, a streaming editorial series on the future of construction today we're not talking about construction we are discussing the movement that calls its home wherever the road leads and this is one of the incredible life experiences Jennifer and her family have got to be a part of and so we want to know all about it considering the cost of living and the fact that so many people are turning towards this lifestyle not just out of necessity but out of enjoyment as well so thank you so much for joining Jennifer um, As always, you know, we've got some really interesting questions to throw at ChatGPT. So I'll let you introduce yourself to our listeners and I'll then hand the reins over to Steve.
1: Perfect. Thank you so much for that lovely introduction. And it's truly a pleasure to be here. Um, As Athena mentioned, we did um, live on the road for a little bit. Um, We were inspired at a time um, when the pandemic first hit. And there were a lot of extenuating circumstances around that, obviously schools were closed, youth sports were canceled. Um, business as we knew uh, wasn't quite the same. And fortunately my husband, Dave and I um, had created an opportunity where we could live remotely. And one day, um, randomly, it was actually the 4th of July in 2020. Uh, we were celebrating, you know, my brother and I and my husband and our kids and I randomly said, you know what, guys, let's just sell everything and hit the road. Let's buy a motorhome and hit the road. And therein started our journey. And we made it happen.
2: So how long were you on the road for?
1: So we came off um, August of 2022, officially came off the road.
2: So, so it was just, just about two years. Just and, about. And what sort of, what, what what did you live in? What was actually the, what, what was home
1: Well, for most people, it was probably bigger than their first New York City apartment. (laughs) Um, We lived in a 38-foot Class A motorhome. It was a Tiffin. Um, So it was really very comfortable. We had sleeping quarters for everybody. We had a full bathroom. We had a washer and dryer. Um, It was an, an incredibly comfortable way to travel and
0: live. Right. You almost want to sort of call it as a, a luxury, really, don't you? But would, would you have called it a luxury? Now you are kind of back in a, a family home, or that, you know what?
1: You know, I, I would definitely classify it as luxury because, yeah. um, relatively speaking, that that's my filter, pretty much for this conversation is is relatively speaking to what we saw across the country as we traveled um, from east coast to west coast, from north to south, was an incredible. Um, pandemic that nobody else was really talking about during the COVID pandemic, and that is homeless. You know, the people experiencing homelessness. Mm-hmm. And so, when we would travel through these cities and we would see um, the various states of shelter, um, for sure, I would consider what we were living in as luxury.
2: Right, and, and you know, I wanted to start this because part of part of it era we've been saying that we believe home ownership is part of the American dream. And so, you know, I actually asked ChatGPT, what is the American dream? And you can see on the screen the answer that we got. But part of it is that um, uh, the pursuit of, of financial stability, home ownership, education, career opportunities, and a better quality of life. And so I was wondering what you thought about that. Do you think that living on the road, you know, how do those, if you look at it through those lenses, of, you know, financial stability to quality of life. You know, how did it compare to, to, you know, having roots in the ground?
1: Sure. You know, it's interesting, Steve. I don't know if you know this, but I am technically a first-generation American. Um, my mother didn't move here until she was 16. Both of my parents um, were um, what I would call, you know, they, they had the mentality of that depression era uh, yeah. where every, everything was saved, right? Every penny, every jar, every can. Um, this was before recycling. You know, everything was repurposed um, yeah. because it was that type of mentality that, that I was brought up with. And so when I think about the American dream, I, I watched it through my parents' eyes um, and how my father um, built his own business, how my mother came here and learned how to speak English and got a job, um, and so their vision of the American dream was they wanted a future that was better and brighter for their children than it was for them. And don't get me wrong, they had an amazing mm. upbringing. But it's it's kind of the same thing when I think about, you know, high quality living and, and what the American dream means for me and my family. And I'm sure there are times my kids would argue with me, but um, really, um, the American dream for me is just creating a safe, comfortable, healthy space where my children can grow up and thrive and right. and really, you know, give them that foundation so that they, um, in turn, feel safe, feel confident and have the ability to go out and do the same for themselves.
2: Right. And, and so, I mean, just for the sake, you know, just the position that you've got three children, right? So you've got twins and, and, and then a son, twin girls and a son. And so, you know, how did, you know, if we look at the American dream, as, um, life on the road versus life in a in a home, you know, how did it compare for all of the family? You know, if you look, you're looking at it through the eyes of a mother, and I, you know, understandably. But you know, how did it feel for everybody to be mobile rather than rooted?
1: So that's a great um, question, and it's you know, I I could answer it in so many ways. Um, our journey. It definitely taught our kids things that we never could have learned otherwise. Um, things like, for example, we left when our son was four. Colton was four. He's now seven. Um, and he was explaining the other day to his cousin, who's four days younger, he was explaining to McCoy how to know if a tornado is really coming. Right. Like, what you know, what senses you you experience, like, he he really knew what to expect, like, if a tornado was coming, these are the signals that, you know, you would have, and this is what you would do. Um, he also was explaining to McCoy, again, you know, what it's like to live on the streets. And remarkably, Colton commented, you know, Texas really has a homeless problem, which I thought mm. was incredibly interesting. So, that's the perspective, you know, that, that Colton, who's now seven, sees the world. And then our daughters, who are now 15, they see the world in a way where they want roots. They want to develop friendships and relationships that are connected and meaningful. They want that, they want that outer blanket of security, if you will. They met a ton of people on the road. They made terrific friends while we were on the road. Um, but they've really um, connected with the importance of, of still being grounded and still having that support system, um, and, and that's how they see the journey. Like They experienced a ton of things, but they, they do like the connectivity that a community provides.
2: But it, it sounds, as you're talking about it, it sounds to me like um, you, you saw I – know, I know that you did this for two years, but did you always see it as a temporary thing? You know, could it have been your life or was it always just like an extended vacation?
1: <laughs> well, for Dave, my husband, um, he, he would go back in a heartbeat. He, he really? would live that lifestyle in a minute. Um, it was definitely um, something that he enjoyed the, the pace of it, the um, movement of it, and, and oftentimes just being planted for extended periods of time. Um, it was something that he could envision spending the rest of his life doing. Um, for me, I, I, I can see why people embrace that spirit. And we do have many friends who may never leave this lifestyle. Families mm-hmm. you know, with kids aren't you know, the same ages as ours. Um, you know, We met uh, so many people along the way who have been living this way for years and years. It wasn't due to COVID or anything else. It was truly the
0: lifestyle they had chosen. Mm. And one, one funny thing as well. My, um, my mum has been for years obsessed with wanting to have her own motorhome, and she's only just managed to get one uh, a couple of months ago. So it wouldn't surprise me if she ends up selling the house and just going off and, and living in this motorhome. I mean, it's it's not, uh, it's not. Probably quite as luxurious as, uh, as yours sounds, but, uh, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. And, uh, yeah, it's, she, she's been saving up all these little bottles and, um, mm-hmm. and, and really kind of trying to minimize everything around her that, you know, what, what really do we need and don't we need? Um, so, so yeah, it's, uh, I think for a lot of people, it, it really is an enjoyment thing as well, not just a necessity.
1: Yeah. I, yeah, so I think sort of you really, yeah, I, I think you hit a really important point. Um, and that's the ability to realize what's important and you know, the things, right? What things are truly important. You know the whole world went through this minimalist phase and this essentialist phase. Um, but this phase of really thinking, could I live in a motorhome is incredibly appealing because it's a very lightweight of it's a lightweight way of living you're not bogged down with things and, you know, life events still happen and all the responsibilities of life are still there, but you, you just feel lighter. You walk lighter. I can't explain it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Sort of, sort of interesting that sort of idea of um, we, we were talking in an earlier episode about sustainability and this idea of having the lightest possible footprint on the planet, but you, you have to care about, the impact on other people when you when you live sustainably you're doing it because you think the whole is greater than the sum of the parts but but you're saying that it was very you know on a very personal basis you shed all of these superfluous things and you only focused on what was essential when you went on the road is that a fair sort of summary
1: it's true it's definitely true and you know from a sustainability perspective you really have no choice but to live a conservationist's lifestyle so for example water i mean we were constantly worried about access to water whether it was drinking water um hookups to water um cooking you know we were, we were really very focused on water consumption water usage gray water usage um, all of these things that in a house we very much took for granted.
2: Yeah, so. I, I mean, I asked chat GPT, as you can see on the screen, I asked chat GPT, does van life, you know, and I use that term, I was telling Athena beforehand, she should watch Nomadland. And, uh, which is, uh, which is, I thought was a great movie. Um, but does van life bring, bring families closer together? And what chat GPT said is, you know, uh, here's some things that may, you know, you've got to consider, um, uh, it you know one is the shared experiences so you say you have a lot more shared experiences simple living which you were just talking about uh time to talk to each other and um, so less distractions um you know uh be, be you know proximity you know bringing intimacy and so you know are these do you think these are this is sort of a good summary of of you know the experience that you had
1: well i had. Yes, it is for sure. But I do laugh because, um, again, just, you know, describing Dave and I, you know, I'm more of the introvert. Dave is more of the, of the extrovert and, Anytime we pulled in anywhere new, well, he was off meeting every character, you know, possible, you know, making friends with everybody. So even though you do have these intimate moments, and I will say as a family, the five of us ate dinner together every night and we would howl in laughter just in our own conversations. um, There are many, many ways to connect with others and still get that outside away time too, because the opposite of that family closeness is just being too close. <laughs> and yeah. I think a lot of people are afraid, are afraid of that as well.
2: I, I suppose also having your own privacy, you know, you, you, you know, you are literally together, you know, close together all, all the time. Um, but, it, but, it, you know, going back to the beginning, when you started this, you, you said it was at the start of the pandemic and life had changed. And, you know, I asked ChatGPT what, whether, the pandemic had created more digital nomads and um, just coincidentally i was talking to somebody um, a few months ago who, who uh, lives uh, there's a whole community that, uh, around airbnb where people are just renting large airbnb homes and then inviting people to come and stay with them for periods of time and they're working remotely and traveling the world so this idea of you know work and vacation it's just got blurred into this workcation thing that they can be wherever they they want to be, for for however they want to want they want to be there, and um, uh, which he referred to as being a digital nomad. And uh, it says that, that you know Chet GPT said that, that there's been a lot more significant rise in the number of digital nomads. So, is that where you consider yourself to be? You know, you were still working, but you could work from anywhere, and maybe you couldn't have done that before.
1: Definitely. Um, you know, our, our work relies heavily on wifi and internet. You know, we, we found a way to, um, you know, start a live streaming business and, um, had the crazy notion of going live every single day of the week. Um, more, more for business, not, not really, you know, an Instagram type of way, but really bringing that, those digital nomads together. So I do think, um, it's definitely doable. It's definitely happening. I think for some people though, a caution just is, is that digital access is different depending on where you are. Um, But I, I think Dave and I are still digital nomads. We still travel extensively. Um, You know, we, we still do a lot of our work remotely. Um, And I, I think this is, the next generation like they won't be called digital nomads it will just be people right like yeah. it's, it's just going to be what it is
2: but, but you see just get back to my previous point you said you did did i know you said dave would do this all the time and maybe you you know, the rest of, was it was it true the rest of the family saw this as a temporary thing and that it was it was just like it, would, it had a time frame and it would come to an end and then you would root yourself somewhere is that is that how, how, how people felt about
1: it. Yeah, I think I think going into it, I did think of it as a temporary thing. Um, right. And what I would say there is I wish I hadn't. I wish mm-hmm. that I could rewind that part of it and go into it. Even if it was only going to be temporary, I wish I had thought about it as being um, or having more permanence in, in the situation. Um, because number one, it's totally doable. And number two, you think differently about things um, when, when you when you plan that way. Um,
2: you, you just did you have an end date in mind? Did you actually have in your mind you know we're, we're, we're going to do this for two years and then we're going to stop? Was that so that you were you know you were, there was a countdown to some end, or did how did the end come about?
1: Yeah, great question. Um, so originally we thought it was just a COVID thing. And we all thought that, um, we would, that COVID would blow over, y- you know, that this was probably just a couple of months situation, but we invested in a motor home that could carry us longer. Um, so our goal was let's just do this during COVID, but no longer than a year. And I, I can't tell you how wildly wrong we were <laughs> on that. We all were. <laughs> in a statement right. you weren't
2: the
0: only one. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: but so we, we had targeted a year and at about three or four months into it, we had realized that a year for sure would not be enough. It definitely would not be enough. Um, so we we did extend and, and made, um, you know, a conscious decision to do it for one more year.
2: All right. And how did, how did you decide where to go? Because now you have total freedom. It's almost like uh you've got no strategy, right? You're just. Uh... <laughs> just blowing the wind i mean did you follow the weather or the? yeah Yeah.
1: (laughs) chasing 70 is a real thing um well until gas prices went insane we were far less strategic in our travel plans um so you know the the spike in gas prices changed that dramatically um and we should have been more conscious of that all the time anyway but um a lot of it was driven by work and places that we had wanted to go or needed to be either for on-location events or in-person events that were still happening on a much smaller scale. Um, so flying was not an option. So, you know, a lot of our, our um, travel plans were driven by work um, requirements or work commitments. Outside of that, though, there were places that we knew we wanted to go and knew um, that, you know, it, when we looked at what success looked like on the other side of this, what would that mean? And we had identified a couple of locations and made sure we squeezed those in, even if it wasn't, um, you know, a straight line.
2: Right. And so, what were that? What were the? What were the? So apart from work, what were the strategic locations that you focused on?
1: Well, it was interesting because I was interested in seeing every mountain, and Dave was interested in seeing every beach. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it sounds like you're so an couple
0: yeah hard to compromise then i'm guessing so um
1: so yeah but but we we i mean it was an amazing journey we we hit you know many national parks we hit huh. you know world famous beaches and and the most um you know widely you know toured cities in the country um It it was really a blend, you know. We all kind of put our ideas in in a jar, you know, like you know, on a wrote them on a piece of paper, threw them in the jar, and then pretty much got through each one um, that the kids had, that we had.
2: So, when when you've got all these ideas, how did you decide which was the winner? Who was the was somebody in charge, or did it (laughs) was it voted upon?
1: Yeah, yeah, I can't say it was really a democratic process.
2: (laughs) OK, when we when we came to California, we, we said we were going to come when we moved here in 2006 and uh, we agreed on, uh, to discuss it as a family. And George said, uh, we said, we'll go for three years. We'll try it. And but at the end of the first year, if we don't like it, if we don't all like it. All of us unanimous. <clears> we'll go home. We'll go back. And uh, we all voted to stay except George. And he was really annoyed because he said, "Dad, you promised if oh, we wow. if we didn't all agree, we would go back." And so, and I want to go back, and uh, that was really hard because we we said no. And oh my like, god! Democracy—that's—that's <laughs> tough. And uh, I mean, he's okay now. He's here today. Uh, he's okay now. Years
1: uh, of uh, therapy, going through it.
2: Yeah, well, yeah, but it, it, you know, for a while, so. I'm just interested as a family, how did you decide, you know, because you don't want Colton to say, oh, so my, my opinion doesn't count then, you know, right. I want to go and see Disneyland or whatever you might want to do. Yeah.
1: I mean, I will say a driving return to a traditional lifestyle had to do with schools opening up and the I, I, I will attribute it slightly to the pressures of social media. Um, Because what was happening is the girls were now at an age where everybody was posting online, right? You know how the the championships that they were winning, hanging out with friends, you know, you know, these are 14, 15 year old kids who are, you know, showcasing this lifestyle online that was hard to ignore. And um, for us, you know, youth sports was a pretty important factor for us as a family. Like that's one thing that we could all agree on. Um, so I would say that, you know, getting back into the school system and getting back into youth sports. But I will say that you can still do that if you're living that that as a digital nomad or in that van life situation. That is still mm-hmm. all very doable, and there's tons of families out there doing it.
2: Yeah, interesting. Um, mm-hmm. I wanted just to change tack a little bit. So one, one of the things that I asked ChatGPT was this I- idea of um, – uh, you know, if you're if you're living on the road, you mentioned it about you know um, understanding when a tornado is coming. That, that did you feel more connected with nature than you would if you lived in a house? Was this, you know, because because one of the things that we espouse, certainly I espouse greatly, is that the best way to reduce stress in your life is to you know get out in nature. But you were actually living in it all the time. Did you feel that? You know, nature determined a lot of the decisions that you made in a day. And how, how did you feel, emo- you know, in terms of stress and general well-being? How, how did you feel relative to, to living in a house?
1: I mean, that is absolutely true. And that is the one pull that would get me back on the road in a heartbeat is mm-hmm. being able to connect with the outdoors quickly. Um, not all the time. You know, we were in some urban locations where that wasn't really a possibility. But, um, Steve, I, I would say, like, from a stress perspective and, like, that mental wellness um, opportunity, living on the road is incredible in, in that regard. Having that access to outdoors and just the ability to, to, to say this isn't working for me anymore. I need to change the scenery. I need to change my location. Um, that is such a gift that most people don't have
2: i i agree with that i mean I, I was telling a story about i went to safeway and uh, it's a it's a it's a black blackberry story and um, not the not the phone but the fruit. uh and I, I went and i noticed blackberries were always in season so i asked safeway if they could tell me i only wanted to eat blackberries when they were actually in season and they didn't know when they were in season um because they just you know they're available all, all the time but i guess right. when you're on the road You know, you do know when everything's in season and um, because you are totally connected to nature. And I'd be interested in your thoughts on that. And then secondly, I found when I put this into ChatGPT, I thought it was interesting that ChatGPT's initial response was, as an AI AI language model, I don't have feelings or personal experiences. (laughs) It's uh, it's sort of interesting, whereas you had a lot of feelings and personal experiences with this, so... (laughs) So did it change? I mean, did it change what you ate? Did it change like how you felt about what you should be buying? And, you know, did it sort of how did it impact uh, your awareness of, of, you know, what's in season and what should be done when? What time you went to bed, I guess, you know, is more probably change all of those things.
1: Sure. Um, Yes to all of the above. I mean, again, it kind of goes back and, and everybody's different. Like everybody has different levels of sensitivities to, you know, kind of the question that you're asking. But, you know, again, it's, for me, it was really rooted in practicality um, because consumption, like when I thought about consumption and the seasons and, you know, when fruit is in season and when different foods were available and, you know, in this region you buy fish, but never buy pork or in this region, you know, you buy this or you buy that. Uh-huh. Um, it also had to do with trash generating trash both you know from a operating carbon perspective you know like how far did you have to drive to get some something um, or what was available from a local market or you know the local fishermen who may have just been you know coming into port so those were things that we considered all the time um not, not like again in in varying varying degrees but I mean, when you can buy fresh produce from a farm stand for pennies on the dollar, um, California was a great example of that. We were um, actually west, east of you out in. Um, oh, gosh, I can't remember where we were, but past. We and Tracy,
2: I think. Tra- Tracy, uh, I think somewhere. We were in,
1: yeah, it was north of Tracy. I want to say Nantica. Um okay. But the farm stands, I, I mean, you could buy anything like Coffee, fruit, vegetables. I mean, all, all of that. Um, th- that part was pretty remarkable. And again, I wish more people had access to that.
2: And and so, it, it, you know, has that stayed with you or have you just sort of, you know, once you've gone back to the local supermarket, have you just sort of just gone back to everything in season all year round yeah. and I just buy what I want? But has it changed you at all?
1: I will say when you know we first got back into the house, we went on a um, excuse me a grocery shopping spree that you can't imagine.
2: <laughs> oh I can, I can.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, but but after that it's it's much lighter. It's much lighter now.
2: okay, so so you so you had all these things that you sort of missed and so when you got back you went crazy but with it but have you gone back to more of your van life approach of farmers markets and food in season or have you you know what, what what has it has it changed you i suppose that's my question
1: it yes it has um i mean not to the degree that i would like to um still participate in that type of lifestyle because the rat race right now we're back in the rat race also you know between yeah all the demands of a normal schedule. So we don't have that um that freedom to do that as much as we used to. Um, but I will tell you it is a big complaint in this house. I don't I, I don't feel the need to keep things on hand. I buy things to cook immediately. Um, yeah. You know, some people refer to this as the ingredient house in the sense that you need to make stuff. <laughs> yeah. You can't just throw it in the microwave. Um, so we still we still live that for sure.
2: And was that the case before you went in, in, on the road, or as it say, or have you changed?
1: It's much more significant now. Much it, more it's, significant. Absolutely. I mean, it. You know, when the kids were younger, also it wasn't it it wasn't quite as easy to get you know places when you're throwing three kids in the car and um, yeah. need to grab something, but. Um, it's much different now we we live we live so much lighter now steve it's it's yeah. that's something that i think will stick with us forever
2: i, I must admit i felt i, I did i really like when you came to dinner at my home i really felt with the kids that they they were very comfortable engaging with each other it's pretty clear they had a lot of time to talk and so they were very good at at talking they weren't distracted you know they were focused i mean maybe they just great kids, uh, but, but it was noticeable how engaged they were. They felt, it felt like, even though they, they were young, they felt, you know, quite adult in their approach to <clears throat> joining in conversations. And, um, I, I wonder if that, did that come from the, the road experience or were they always like that?
1: Thank you for that. Um, that's certainly nice to hear. And we, we absolutely enjoyed our time, you know, visiting you all, um, for, I mean, what we still talk about is the best lasagna ever. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'll tell. <them. laughs> I, the thing.
1: I know it was delicious. Um, I, I would say the road definitely brought that out in them, that ability, that ability right. to relate to multiple generations, the ability to pick up a conversation, the ability to meet people where they were at, um, is something they definitely learned on the road. And, uh, you
0: know, that's a life skill I hope they take with
1: them wherever they go.
0: It's such an important thing as well, because these days, obviously, with um, sort of the, the younger generations staying indoors and, um, you know, glued to TVs and glued to um, I don't even I'm supposed to be young. Is it PlayStations? Is it Xbox still? <laughs> Has that moved on? <gasps> but but yeah to to be able to have that real kind of interpersonal connection with people that they maybe have never met before, I don't know, but um you know i I was one of those uh those uh hermits that would stay in all the time, so through my teenage years it was always really quite difficult to make conversations with people. It was only when I started working that it kind of brought me out of my shell a little bit but uh i I think it's amazing to hear that they're so. Um, you know, able to just connect with others, and I think uh, we need that a lot more in uh, in this day and age anyway, or this digital day and age where everyone's stuck to a screen, you know.
2: Oh, I I, I mean, I, I, I still, they really made me laugh, and I still remember all the discussions about superhero movies, and <laughs> correcting Dave, and which movie <laughs> occurred where, and who was who in it, it was just hilarious. Um, but, um, yeah, but you know, very engaging. But but so so just just sort of to close on this, and I, I'm sort of interested at the end whether you've got any questions you want to ask uh, AI. Um, but I, but I just wanted to to, to finish with this. Do you, do you own a house now? Have you actually you bought somewhere that's uh, stuck rooted to the ground? It's got no wheels on it. Is that right?
1: <laughs> well, it doesn't have wheels no. on it, um, but it's still. No, we didn't buy a house when we came back. Uh, okay. we We relocated here um, to where Dave grew up in um, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And um, because we came off the road very quickly, um, and you both know this better than I do, the housing market was we, we couldn't yeah. enter the housing market um, based on when we needed to find housing. Um, so that was another eye-opening experience and talk about digital nomads where, we were literally looking online and seeing what was available and they would come on market one day and be gone the next. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we have several friends who purchased homes, never walked through them, never walked in the door, none of that. Um, And we decided that, you know what, let's just enter the rental market. And that's what we did and um, decided to stay in the rental market for two years. And then maybe by then, Dave will go back on the road.
2: No, oh, it's,
0: it's funny you say that, actually, because uh, me and my partner bought our first home last September, and we were the very first people to come and view it, it had just gone onto the market. And obviously, I'm having the new case. So it's maybe slightly different, but I'm pretty sure it's very similar in terms of the processes. And we, uh, we came to see it for the first time, made an offer, and it was accepted, and that was it. And it, it's like... You would think you'd have to go back a few times and have a look, um, but even in a similar instance, the property we were renting beforehand, we didn't even view. We just put a deposit down over the phone and just said the location's right, the price is fine, we'll have it. Because if we didn't, somebody else would have had it, and it, it's um, it was such a competitive market. So, you know, I, I don't blame mm-hmm. you for not, you know, having. Been able to find anything, you know. It's um, it's either one it's too expensive or just there isn't enough supply out there.
2: I, I wanted to sort of really, because um, obviously for our customers, we, we you know I, we try and relate it to our own experiences. So in mine, and I was talking to to Debbie about this as well. And said, did she feel the same? When we got a mortgage, I felt like it was a massive burden. I just felt like I was carrying this weight around um an obligation to a bank, um and that they sort of controlled me and I you know I don't like I'm not very good. I'm the last person who should have a boss. Um I'm not very good in that situation. Um and so I, I didn't like it. Once when I you know I'm lucky that I don't have any a mortgage. And once it was paid off, it felt it literally felt like the weight was removed. And so, you know, I had a couple of questions. Like one is, um You know, how would that feel to you all? Because, you know, do you think you agree with that sort of burden of a mortgage? And then secondly, having seen all these places around the country, how do you decide where to live? I asked ChatGPT and and, and ChatGPT said, you know, this was the order, job opportunities, cost of living, education, safety, uh, climate and geography and, and family. Those were the sort of six main criteria for the decision. Did you actually do the same thing? Did you have a, everybody said where they wanted to live and you, you discussed it? Or how did you decide where you were going to live? I I didn't realize it was only for a couple of years. I thought maybe you'd, you'd ended the family life experience. But how did you decide where to go?
1: Yeah, I mean, we considered all of those factors for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and also had a very heavy influence of being near family. Um, that was one thing that we learned, um, most while living on the road is just what, what, and again, this goes back to, you know, the girls wanting that connectivity and that, um, you know, those, those roots. Um, so that was something that really was number one on the list and that narrowed it down very quickly. And um, in terms of, you know, job opportunities, cost of like all of that, all of that goes into your, you know, pie chart, if you will. And then you just figure out how big each slice is. Um, And for this, like it's this answer is different for everybody. You know, I know people who say that, you know, climate and geography is the number one thing and can't, you know, can't move off of that piece, even though the other things might not be there for them. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and affordability. You know, not just cost of living, but like truly, what is the price you have to pay to live somewhere? You know, yeah. just what what is the price you have to pay? Um, you know, to live in a in a certain region of the world.
2: Yeah, the U.S. is full of uh, of hidden taxes, aren't they? You know, whether it's property tax or you know inheritance tax, or you know, moving. You know, there, there there are there are taxes and used car used cars. That um, you know, in the in the UK, when I when I first came to the US, I didn't understand why um, I had to pay these things. When that the new once you buy a car a new car in the UK, it's taxed. All subsequent sales are not taxed in the US. They all are. Every time you buy a used car, you pay tax on it. So there's a lot of hidden taxes uh, in the US, and they vary from state to state or even county to county. Um, so did did you actually? You know, I mean, one of the things we've been trying to do with ERA is make the total cost of owning a property clear at the point you enter the market. Whereas in the US, it's really not clear until you own a home how much it's going to cost you to operate and maintain that house. Um, how did you do that? How did you do that? Economics and and my second question, really, but you know, going back to the mortgage, do you think the burden of a mortgage would be a weighty thing to carry so just talk about you know money choices for a moment
1: sure i mean sure the burden of a mortgage is a weighty thing to carry for sure people hmm. i mean people think about that every night before they go to bed can i pay my rent can i pay my mortgage i mean that's yeah. that's something that a lot of people can't escape that thought so i mean that's just i think the world that we do live in um, and then going back to the other factors that we considered in the, in the cost um, and all of that, I mean, for us, you know, there were a lot of extenuating circumstances that happened during our trip, um, mostly related to COVID. And I think that's one thing that, you know, if you're considering to take this journey or if you're considering where you want to live, or if you're considering all of those things, like now that we've all been through, that we have to turn around and ask our question, you know, really ask ourselves the questions, not that Chat GBT feeds us, um, yeah. but really, you know, look inside and dig deep and say, like, what is important to us? Because that value system is truly different for everybody. And then when you're trying to balance that value system for a whole family or a couple, um, those things get hard. A lot of us live in places because we've always lived there so you're not faced with those choices so you know it it also goes back to what Athena was saying how she rented her place without ever walking into it and we did the same thing and the pictures we saw online were much different than what
0: we actually walked into the operating costs right I mean you know yeah I, I can't say it was a good decision to have made. We only stayed there six months, put it that way. So, But,
2: but it's sort of interesting that, you know, I think um, you know, we have this thing called the great resignation, which, you know, I felt was largely driven by people, you know, suddenly realizing that their own mortality, you know, we go through a pandemic where, you know, you see, um, you know, and I, I've just watched the show, The Last of Us. I don't know if you've seen that. And um, it's based on, it's based on a game. Um, but it's a concept that, that, you know, there's a bit, it's, it's a similar concept to a global pandemic, but, but it has, you know, worse concept worse outcomes. And so I think everybody sort of were faced with the issue that they might get COVID and they might die. Um, because people were. And so afterwards, or, you know, as we were just, you know, leave um, you know, there are still people getting COVID. Um, but as we, as things get back to some sort of new normal, uh, people are evaluating their life and maybe saying, I need enough money to live, but I don't need to do what you said your parents do, you know, save every penny and just, you know, put money away. My dad used to say to me, don't be the richest man in the graveyard. Um, and, and, you know, only now do I realize that was probably good advice. And um, do you think that's sort of, that's, that's, that's what's happened with you, that you've sort of evaluated what's most important in your life and that living on the road has given you a new perspective
1: absolutely i, I mean living on the road has changed everything it, mm-hmm. it has um made me re- reevaluate you know my core values and relationships and um what success looks like and what um financial freedom looks like what um access to healthcare looks like at, at all of these notions that I had previously, I mean, they're still there. I didn't change. I didn't do like a complete one eighty, but I think about them all incredibly differently now.
0: Right. I completely agree with you, Jennifer. And, um, we had a, or I, it was just myself and, um, a guest recently called Naptali Visser, And, uh, he was talking very much about how these kind of, um, situations in life can almost, have like serendipity really it it has that changing effect on you and um yeah it's it's so true isn't it that it it makes you look 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 at life completely differently even with the simplest of things of you know the kind of work you're doing you know you're going to spend a third of your life in work you need to love it you need to enjoy it you need to make sure that you're not just wasting your time just to keep yourself afloat and Mm -hmm. you need to yeah just just Live life and, and be content as much as you can.
2: I, I I agree with that, but but you know sometimes I think we can have a conversation that's a very, you know, it's rooted in a it's a first world conversation. I think if you're homeless, um, you know, what choices do you really have? And and you know, and and not not just you know, if, if you could be in not homeless. But but you're a renter for life because the cost of buying a house now is about the average cost of a home is about nine times the average income, the highest that it's been in the history of mortgages. So one of the things we've been trying to do is to say, you know, could you own part of your home and rent part of your home and it's a bit like leasing a car, we can we can you can sell it back to us for an agreed price at an agreed future date or buy it, you know, when you when you can afford it. But I think we've got to find ways to get more people into home ownership because it's it's the way many of us certainly in my case have been able to build enough personal wealth that you can make these choices it's very hard to 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 make good sustainability choices or location choices if you if you're living on the streets or you you're, you're completely tied to your job you know you'll be homeless if you lose your job um, and so, you know, I think we, we have to look at it through the eyes of people who are less fortunate than us. And unfortunately, 20, the lowest 20% of wage earners in the United States or America uh, can't afford a place to live, which is shocking. 20% of the workforce can't afford a place to live. And uh, and that's what we're, you know, we're trying to help reduce that amount. You know, that's our, that's our purpose. I don't know. Maybe that's a bit evangelical and we, we can cut it out of the show if it's not appropriate. But I think we've got to look at it through, you know, the eyes of people less fortunate than ourselves.
1: Yeah. I mean, and I'll tell you, Steve, like, so Dave's a veteran. And when you talk about yep. those experiencing homeless, so many of those people are veterans, men and women, you know,
0: yep. um,
1: people who have served our country and, and achieved greatness elsewhere, you know, come back and, and you know, struggle. And so when we think about purpose in life and, um, you know, not, not to get up on the soapbox, but I think all of this is, has underscored our drive, you know, in the work that we've chosen to do, um, we can't solve a problem like homelessness by ourselves. We can't address housing affordability by ourselves. Um, so what we try to do is really surround ourselves with, um, within an ecosystem of people who together can um, to have the knowledge, the know-how, the passion, the perseverance, um, to say, Hey, there's a problem here and let's solve it. And it could be any problem really. Yeah. Um, but, but that's one thing that, you know, you know, Athena, when you go back to making those life choices and the work that we do again, living on the road has underscored our desire to be better at what we do. Um, because we feel like it, connects us with like-minded individuals it it's actively talking about certain social problems that um others can easily hide from and uh you know it, it it's rewarding it's it's truly rewarding
2: yeah no you, well, you know thank you for all that you do and dave does it's uh, you know he really he works really hard at being the sort of amazing connector that he that he is that you are and, uh, you know, I enjoy, I enjoy everything that you do and I love the, the sort of, uh, the way you approach it. So, you know, thank you for that. And I guess just to sort of close out this is, is there, are there any questions you, you'd like to ask chat GPT about the you know, that any, or anything we should have asked you that maybe we forgot to.
1: Well, I will say, you know, i thinking about it now. I wish I had asked chat GPT something like, what are three things I really should do before I commit to van life? <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, okay. Um, <laughs> I'm interested to see what this is now. Because I would definitely no, be so anxious uh, planning. <laughs>
1: I, I, and just, you know, full disclosure, we never asked anybody that question, and we just kind of picked up and went.
2: <laughs> so so it's plan and research, so lifestyle, van selection, budgeting, and make sure you understand income sources, you got an emergency force, and do some trial runs and plan <laughs> on figure out how to downsize to fit into a van and what you need to carry with you. So very practical uh, pieces of advice. Nothing about relationships and how that's going to be, I think, uh, you know, actually more important probably than those three things.
1: Yeah. If I could add one tip to this, um, I think a lot of people forget to consider is, um, access to healthcare. It's right. so varied across the country. Um, yeah. you know, from a practical perspective, when, when you have children, that's something I definitely would add to this list.
2: Yeah, I would think so, especially, especially not so much if you're in the UK, but uh, definitely when a place that has no sort of national health system, but, um, mm-hmm. that, that's got to be an issue to to consider. I don't, I don't know how you dealt with that, but uh, uh, maybe that's for another day.
0: <laughs> Thank you so much, Jennifer, for joining us today. It's been really, really super conversation, and I uh, hope it's been as enjoyable for you as it has for us.
1: And, uh, and yeah, yes. no, I
0: really appreciate it.
1: Thank you. And thank you for being so kind and, um, certainly, um, you know, supporting conversations like this We're we're big fans and we wish you nothing but success in this journey.